And good morning, saints. Merry Christmas. Merry early Christmas. Well, this morning we're going to do something just a little bit differently. We're going to take some time to do what's called propositional preaching. That is, uh, make a statement and talk about that statement. We're going to use scripture, obviously, and church history this morning to support some specific statements. Ultimately, that the coming of our Lord is worth celebrating. The coming, the advent of our Lord, the incarnation, is worthy of our attention to it and our celebration of it. Have you ever wondered why we celebrate Christmas? For that matter, Easter as well. Have you ever thought about the origins of the traditions that we engage in typically this time of year? For Christians, obviously, there is a core and a central essence or meaning of Christmas. But it doesn't take long to see as we look around that there are also cultural traditions as well that have right about zero to do with Jesus. Now, some people will say that it's wrong to have celebrations or traditions that are outside of God's word. They will say that every day is a celebration of Jesus' birth, of his crucifixion and resurrection. And in many regards, they're correct. Other Christians will say that Well, it's fine to have celebrations and traditions so long as they are all biblical. You'll often hear things like the real meaning of Christmas. So our message this morning is, like I said, it's a little bit different. It's designed to be an overview of some of these questions or topics. So let's begin by making a distinction. A distinction that I think is very important when talking about the advent or the coming or the birth of Christ. The story of Christ's birth is compelling. But it's the theology, the truth behind Christ's birth that is unparalleled anywhere and any time. When we talk about Christmas with those that we know who don't know the Lord, I encourage you to move away from talking about the Christmas story and focusing on the theology, the rich truth that is intrinsically tied to Jesus' birth. One of my favorite verses that I share often is from the Apostle of Love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He says, The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Now let's pause on that for just a moment. That is stupendous news. There is a purpose for why Jesus was born. And that purpose was to destroy the works of Satan. 
Look around the world today. Just today. Now. Is there any greater need? When John says that the Son of God appeared, that word in Greek means to suddenly show up. One day he's in heaven, bam, the next day, there he is in Bethlehem. The reason the early church and early Christians throughout the centuries have celebrated and observed a remembrance of the birth of Christ is because of the awe-inspiring message that we have been entrusted with. We are stewards in every generation. We are stewards of this precious life-giving message. So I begin this morning with a thesis comprised of the following assertions that we will address today. Number one, Christians are free to engage traditions that enrich and support their walk of faith, of course, as Scripture and their conscience, led by Scripture, permit. Number two, faith traditions, such as the ones we're talking about this morning, can be tremendously helpful and edifying. Number three, Now, remember, I meant to say this. Some of you think about these things. Some of you have never crossed your mind. So I realize there's a diverse group of people this morning regarding this subject. Number three. Christmas traditions are not rooted in paganism. And more importantly, the Bible narratives themselves do not emerge from, nor were they adapted from, Roman or other pagan traditions. So let's reverse engineer this this morning. We're going to start with that last point, and then we'll get to some of the bigger questions. What's driving this message this morning is seeing a proliferation of detractors, not only of Christian traditions, but biblical narratives and theology. The the assertion is simply this. Christian traditions were borrowed or adapted from the pagans. But now they're going a step further. Well, not just your traditions, but your faith itself. In the last generation or two, we've seen this kind of in the background. Voices trying to tie things to ancient paganism, and that's it. With the advent of the internet, this information is now more widely disseminated and encountered. These conspiracy theories tend to emerge and ferment in those reputable and scholarly platforms known as TikTok and YouTube. But here's why I'm talking about this. That's where we go. Whatever's on TikTok gets put out in other platforms as well. 
If you were to do a quick Google search on this subject, you would immediately find a number of sites all saying the same thing. That Christmas and everything about it really is just borrowed from ancient religions. Repurposed. Furthermore, everyone is having a little party agreeing with themselves. It's just a foregone conclusion that Christmas and even Christian theology is rooted in or borrowed from pagan religions. So I feel an imperative to speak to this, and this morning is a perfect opportunity, because if you're not careful, this chatter that you hear in the background can eventually shipwreck you if you're not careful. Now, I don't want to go into a lot of details on these pagan deities because, frankly, that would not be a very edifying or uplifting sermon. Talking about false gods from centuries ago. But I do want to reference three very specific aspects of Christmas in particular. And you can take much of what we're talking about here applied to Christ and apply it to Christ's resurrection and other aspects of his ministry. It goes without saying that we have, entire, have an entire liturgical calendar in many traditions based around key scriptural emphases. So let's begin by talking about Christmas itself. The fact that Christmas exists. The fact that we have a celebration that points us to the birth of Christ. We first encounter this term in 1038. Earlier Christians had a 12-day or so celebration that was referred to as the Feast of the Nativity of Jesus. It would begin on December 25th and continue into January. You might know that in the West... Western Christianity, more emphasis was placed on the advent or the coming of Christ, leading up to the birth of Christ. This was popularized in the 4th and the 5th centuries AD. An allegation that we frequently encounter is that Christmas is really just a copycat of earlier pagan celebrations. Or that Christians took what was around them and change them to fit what they wanted to accomplish. It must be noted that Christmas as we know it today <coughs> is not in the Bible. The birth of Jesus is in the Bible. But Christmas as we know it or it has or as it has been expressed in various ways through the centuries is neither prescribed nor found in the Bible. Excuse me. Yet the birth of Christ is spoken to extensively in Scripture. Shepherds, angels, Herod. There are some names that you should know. And in fact, if you do look into this, 
you will come across them right away. The top hits would be Saturnalia, the Roman celebration of Saturn, Sol Invictus, the celebration of the unconquered sun god, S-U-N, excuse me, (coughs) Mithras, a Roman cult, we cannot overlook the winter solstice, the natural phenomenon of darkness giving way to light. When the days begin getting longer, many cultures have been captivated by this annual occurrence. Now, I originally wanted to go into more detail on these guys. But to be honest, I think the most helpful thing that I can say this morning is simply this. Despite what you read on the Internet, despite what you hear people saying, we know so very little about these. There is hardly any concrete evidence out there. It's almost humorous to hear people talking about them as if it's just common knowledge. And I'm pretty sure you've heard this as well. And yet if you go beyond that initial simple Google word search, if you begin to look for source material, you will be surprised to find that it is almost non-existent. It is a travesty that so many so-called scholars have made this case against Christianity and Christmas the idea that it has roots in paganism. The evidence for that simply is not there. I've spent a lot of time in higher education, and there's one thing that they will tell us over and over and over again, and that is to value solid and legitimate research. We've all experienced that one guy who does his little word search. He's now empowered. And he emerges in his mind or her mind as the smartest person in the room. I just want to tell you that so many people in the last 10, 20 years have done a deep dive into these allegations and consistently emerge with the conclusion that there simply is not enough information to make any kind of judgment at all. In fact, what most will report is that when you go to TikTok or somewhere, that person may or may not reference another book or website or source. But if they do, it'll go back to one or two sources that all lead to this one source around World War II. It's where all of this began. And that source has no sources. I simply want to say this this morning. When someone, let's say you get into a conversation, and someone says, ah, yeah, you Christians. It's all just based on myths. Not just your traditions, but the essence of your faith. You ask them very kindly, show me your sources. Do not settle simply for, well, somebody said it on this video that I watched. 
This is our annual reminder that not everything we see on the Internet is true. As I have personally been digging into this for a while, I see that there simply is not a legitimate case for anyone to think that Christmas or Christianity is rooted in paganism. Let's get more specific. Let's talk about the Christmas tree. This is one of the most, this is one of the favorite allegations. That Christmas trees are the direct root of pagan celebrations. Remember why we're talking about this. I'm not concerned about the tradition. I'm really angling myself towards the theology that's behind it. That's what I'm most interested in. What do these traditions represent? Those who chastise Christians for using a Christmas tree will often point you to Jeremiah chapter 10. So let's read the first four verses of Jeremiah chapter 10 together. This, almost like an endless loop, appears on all these little videos out there. Jeremiah chapter 10. Verse 1, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them, for the customs of the peoples are vanity. A tree. From the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Wow. That's scary. Don't be like the pagans, he says. We affirm that. They go out and they chop down a tree. Oh, you chop down trees too. You're just like the pagans. Oh, and you decorate your tree beautifully with colors. Clearly, you're a pagan. Just abandon now while you're ahead. Christians who have a Christmas tree in their house without question are ultimately amplifying and celebrating paganism. Now, for those who are not at all familiar with God's word, that can be a jarring thing to see that and to read that. They wax eloquent. But the problem is, they're not giving you the context. We see it all the time. If you have your Bibles, let's keep reading. Because they'll cut it off at chapter, verse 4, verse 5. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. What is he talking about? He's talking about chopping down a tree so you can make an idol. 
that has the intelligence of a scarecrow. They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. Jeremiah is contrasting the futility of making and and worshiping an idol versus worshiping the one true and living God. But I point you to this for this reason. That line of thought is actually very popular. And when someone gets onto a well-curated curated video, they look official, they talk like it's a foregone conclusion, it can be scary sometimes. My friends, this is the type of shoddy research that permeates this movement, that belittles the sacredness of honoring our Savior's coming. Now, how did we get the Christmas tree? Have you ever thought about that? Where did that come from? There's lots of possible explanations. The one that is most plausible, in my opinion, is an oral tradition from Germany. Martin Luther, 1500s excited with his newfound understanding of the gospel and grace and salvation by grace through faith. So Martin Luther is walking through the woods one day and he looks up, and you've probably done this too, you see the sun coming through the trees and it's a beautiful sight. And he was reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. So what did Martin Luther do? Well, he went back out, chopped down a tree, and brought it into his house. He put it down because he wanted to explain the gospel to his family. To show them that Jesus is the light of the world. So he lit it with candles. How did he get from Germany to here? The royal family, the British royal family in the 1800s, they had a German prince. German heritage. Seems quite plausible. The British royal family adopted this this, um, tradition of having a Christmas tree. They began printing and disseminating royal pictures around Christmas time. With a Christmas tree in it. Well, if that's what they're doing, well, that's what everybody else is going to do. And so it spread. But let me ask you a question. I'm really not that concerned about where it came from. If you have a Christmas tree in your home, are you bowing down to it? Are you worshiping it? Are you praying to it? Look. Even if it just beautifies your home for a few weeks and it brings you joy, enjoy it. December 25th, let's talk about this. If there's one aspect of Christmas that always gets attention, it's the date. The truth is there are a lot of ancient religious festivals and rituals 
that are associated with the winter solstice in the end of what we now call December. If the intent of the Christians was to coincide with winter solstice, I would just submit this. They could have done a better job picking their exact dates. But that does not appear to be the reason why we celebrate on December 25th. You see, long ago, there was a tradition, good or bad, that a prophet, a holy one of God, would die on the day that they were conceived. Widely, widely circulated throughout the church in the early days. If you take that proposition, simple math will get you exactly to December 25th. As they put the death of Christ, Easter, and resurrection around March 25th. The earliest reference to Jesus' birth being December 25th is dated between 200 and 211 A.D. The first concrete occurrence for the date of Christmas and Sol Invictus Invictus being on December 25th is not until 274 A.D. It makes it highly unlikely that the Christians were trying to steal a date from the pagans when they already had made it their own. Clement of Alexandria, who died in A.D. 195, notes that others before him had said not a season, but a specific date to remember the birth of Christ. There seems to be more than ample evidence that Christians from very early times were celebrating and remembering the birth of their Savior on December 25th. There seems to be a strong aversion on the part of early Christians to even give the appearance of joining in with the pagans on anything. A Christian document from around A.D. 375 notes that we are to celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th and goes on to say, watch this, we may not join regarding the pagans. We may not join in their feasts, which are celebrated in honor of demons. My friends, the early Christians suffered much for their faith. They knew who they followed and they were having none of what was around them. Ephraim of Syria wrote hymns and liturgies for celebrating the birth of Christ. He died in 376 AD. It seems to me that Christians were well in the habit of celebrating and remembering the birth of Christ and did not do so to copy the pagans around them from whom, out of which, they had been saved. Furthermore, no secret at all, Christians suffered greatly in the early centuries. Specifically, under Diocletian, they had their rights taken away and recalled and were called upon, essentially, to worship Roman deities. Remember, the early Christian motto was very simple. Jesus is Lord. My knee will bow to no one but him. Why is that important? There is what is known as the great persecution under Diocletian. 302 AD, on Christmas Eve, 
December 24th. Christians were locked in their Christmas Eve service and the building was burned to the ground. Think twice before someone tells you or convinces you that Christmas is just borrowed. I have so much more that I would like to share, but time does not permit. So I'd like to turn our attention now to some very basic questions. Is it permissible for Christians to celebrate something that's not explicitly taught in the Bible? Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Pick it up in verse 5. As soon as I can get to chapter 14. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whatever, whenever, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Verse 9, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. May I simply say, whatever your approach do it as unto the Lord. Be intentional. If you set aside a day or a time to remember, to reflect upon, to celebrate key gospel truths, the birth of Christ being right up there, do it with a clear and a joyful conscience. Are Christians commanded to celebrate these things? No. Are we free to do so? Yes. Keep turning to the right, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 15. This, for me, is really the, the essence in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. My dear fellow saints, there is a controlling concept here. We are always to set Christ apart in our hearts as Lord. That is indeed a 24-7 operation, 365 year, day, days in the year. 
whether or not you celebrate Christmas or how you celebrate Christmas. Make sure that this greater mandate mandate is met in your life. I have one more text. And that's to the left, to Galatians chapter 4. This will not be on the screens. I want you to see it in your Bible. I reference the theology behind Christmas. Not just the story. Galatians chapter 4. This is not one of the gospels, like one of the nativity scenes. It's straight up theology and it's good. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. My friends, if you're going to focus on anything, focus on the substance of what Christmas is designed to point to. You can never go wrong there. Pagan myths died a long time ago. Christ and Christianity have literally shaped world cultures for centuries. Keep in mind that the 300s AD, that was a very pivotal time for the Christian church. They wrestled with And they made clear the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Without the deity of Christ, you simply do not have redemption and reconciliation with God. Or else someone would have done it before him. In my estimation, it is completely understandable that they, our forefathers in the faith... Set time aside to remember and reflect upon this beautiful truth. Personally, this is Colin speaking and I'm almost done. I am so thankful to have an entire month that is dedicated to remembering the incarnation. That God showed up in Bethlehem to rescue me. Are there other cultural traditions mixed in with that? Of course there are. Unless they're anti-scriptural, I would just say I encourage you to enjoy those. I mean, gathering together with family and friends, slowing down, doing things differently, the lights, it's beautiful. Enjoy it. But always... Always, always sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Do not become fixated on the tradition. 
be grounded in the reality that God loves you very much and he came to your rescue. He came to reconcile you with God. My friends, there is not a message on earth that is more beautiful, that is more impactful, that is more precious, that is more sacred than that message. It does not surprise me one bit that the world will come against that and seek to belittle it and say, yeah, but eh, it's just a myth. The Lord Jesus has been changing and transforming lives for centuries. This is just like a surface level message. I just want you to have confidence because I bet there are some of you who have heard these things and you're like, hmm, what's that about? As we close out this morning, I shared earlier on this week, we heard very sad news that a brother by the name of Big Don passed away suddenly last Friday, last Sunday. Motorcycle accident. A little history. We built this building 10 years ago. 10 years ago in the summer, we had our first service in this building. Big Don was God's provision to us. We had years of frustration and dealing with the county and red tape and all of those things to get something moving. Big Don was here on a, on a short assignment with work from South Africa. I'll never forget, it was a Sunday morning, we're meeting in Magruder High School in the cafeteria, and we announced that we are intending to move forward to build a building. Well, Big Don introduced himself. I mean, he's a Harley guy. He always had a leather jacket on. He said, well, I work in construction, and I'd like to be of help. If you know Big Don, he knew how to get things done. He was such a blessing to us. I've enjoyed keeping that friendship up. You know, he, he returned to South Africa, I think it was just months before the building was finished. He never saw the finished product in person. But I say this to simply say this. Big Don will tell you that he was so encouraged by his time here at Durward for a couple of years. He learned how to walk with the Lord and to really uh, mentor and help other people. But I say this. Life is short. Woe be unto me if I stand before you and just try to make you feel nice and give you goosebumps because it's Christmas and the angels and this and that. That's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. The need is very clear in Scripture. In one of the first interviews that Jesus granted, remember John chapter 3, what did he say to the religious leader, Nicodemus? You must be born again. We are not here along with lots of other ideologies and religions to make you a better person, to give you more happiness, to make you Colin 2.0. We're saying that you're dead in your sins. And as the forerunner to Jesus said very clearly, the wrath of God is hanging upon you. The axe is laid at the root. So if you are celebrating and taking in the Christmas spirit, as they call it, 
I want to point out there's a theology and there's a truth behind it. It is at one in the, it is at one in the same time the best and the worst news. Worst news being the truth that you know about yourself already that you are a sinner. And the reality is no matter how you feel about that, you are not okay with God. You need to be reconciled to Him who is holy and perfect. God has made provision by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. It is why Christians throughout the centuries have remembered the birth of Christ and died for the testimony of Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is very uncomplicated. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Recognizing and owning our own sin. Believing that Jesus died in our place, was buried and rose again. And putting our full confidence and trust in him alone as our Savior and Lord. Oh Lord, we pray that this might be that day of salvation for those who have never fully believed it before. As we close out this calendar year, as we celebrate Christmas tomorrow, may even those of us who are weary and discouraged find comfort that you have come to rescue us. Emmanuel, God with us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.